Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience, a podcast confronting current events, politics, comedy, and calamity, all from the perspective of a trans titaness. She's a verbal black belt, skilled in the art of roasting, the hellmouth, doomsayer, CEO of the Amazon position. Here's your host, Cameron Ellen Terrell. Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience. I'm your host, Cameron Eileen Maharet Terrell, aka Tranos. Say it with your whole chest, or I'll build a time machine in hopes that the findings from said time machine will teach you a fucking lesson. This is Tranos and the Lived Experience, the show that has had way too many incidences of having to watch its own kind die on television. Uh, before we go any further, this week we learned a lot. The release of the Tyree Nichols video was yesterday. That would have been on Friday around 6.30 New York time. Um, sadly, it's just another black man being murdered by police. And I want to take a moment to recognize Mr. Nichols and to remember the beacon he was to his family. Uh, I just want everyone to get a picture of this 29-year-old man skateboarding and enjoying life because I don't want him to be remembered as a victim. It'll take a moment. Rest in peace, Tyree Nichols. Uh... With that being said, today's episode is brought to you by the meeting of music and marijuana. Uh, today's strain is garlic, a.k.a. garlic bud. Uh, it's a classic strain. It's pulled directly from the 90s, which is right in my wheelhouse. It's bred by the Seed Bank, which is one of my favorite like seed companies. And it was using the genetics of Afghani and uh, Cincy Seed. Its name is only loosely tied to garlic bud's aroma, which smells a lot more like tangy musk and spice than anything you'd throw into a stir fry. This pungent smelling indica expresses a duality of effects, heavy body effects that crush insomnia and pain coupled with the invigorating cerebral buzz. It's, uh, takes about seven to eight weeks to flower this plant. It's got a high THC count at around 22%. The CBD, 22 to 23% THC. CBG, about 1%. It's a strong trichrome of limonene. The song, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm really shook up by this. Uh, the song of choice for this week is by Spirit Box, and the name of the song is uh, Sun Killer. Today's episode is entitled, Fuck All Police Understand. Like I said before, on January 7th, Tyree uh, was pulled over by five non-uniformed police officers, black hoodies, black pants, a vest, on what was considered a traffic stop. I don't know when's the last time I've been pulled over by five police officers at once. Tyree was then, at some point of the altercation, maced, where uh, Tyree fled the scene. Also, a response of fear, um, five police officers, dark clothing. No marked, like real marked vehicles or anything of that matter. 
pulling you over, macing you for just speaking, maced immediately. He then was chased and ultimately beat to death by five police officers. Now, the thing that weighs heavy on everyone is the color of the police officers. All five officers were black. So what I've been hearing a lot lately, especially from uh, the generation above me, uh, you're all dinosaurs and one day you'll be gone, is that this can't be racism because the officers are black. So we've been screaming for the whole time that black people can't be racist and this is the instance where you choose to learn. So let me explain something to you, because uh, the education system obviously just fails white people on a consistent basis because they have the ability to tinker with history and, and, and to tinker with the markers of history. Let's give you a history lesson on the police. So the police started uh, with militias and state funded groups that were put together by places like South Carolina uh, Texas, Louisiana, lower parts of Florida. And what these militias would do after the Civil War was they made it so that, and let's not even before, let's go to seven, the 1730s. In the 1730s, those states that I just named all had laws that invigorated white people to be slave catchers. There was a huge problem with runaway slaves uh, from the inception of slavery because we are a strong people and we can never be broken. There are points in times, in, uh, specifically in between the 1830s and 1865, where somewhere upwards of 100,000 slaves were successful in running away from South Carolina. South Carolina being the people that we're going to like zoom in on. So in the 1830s, if you were a slave and you were given permission to leave plantation premises, you had to carry a copper badge. This copper badge was the equivalent of what we would call freedom papers. Now, this wasn't exactly a freedom paper, but this was like a permission slip from your owner stating that you were allowed to leave the plantation to do certain parts of your, air quotes, duties. These badges would be read by often other white people to make sure that you were in the place you needed to be. Thus, white people's like con constant pension to want to know where black people are going and what they're doing out in public. It's deep rooted within your culture. It can be triggered back all the way to the 1600s and colonial times in, in the United States. Now, what's that have to do with slave catchers and police, Cameron? Well, slave catchers uh, were mandated, but slave hunters, slave hunters were paid to do the job. Slave catchers, it was a volunteer thing. You were expected to volunteer your services if you felt like you were in the presence of a runaway slave. Slave hunters were paid to do the job. Now, do you see the correlation between the career choice of police officer and slave hunter? Do you see that? Now, often between uh, these, um, the distinctions between the two, there's not much distinction, to be totally honest with you. Um, it's a profession where you are enlisted to capture a certain kind of person, tracking them, policing them, enforcing laws against them. You um, you were sent on patrols to make sure that they stayed in areas they were supposed to stay in. Now, which one am I talking about? Am I talking about slave hunters or am I talking about police? You don't even know, right? None of us can tell which one I'm talking about. Not even me. Now, with that being said, I've heard a lot of rumblings uh, from Gen Xers. And people um, who came before me, some millennials too, you fucking assholes. Like you act brand new, 
Like you just don't understand like cognitive thought. Um, if the police officers are black, how is this racism? Uh, the institution of law enforcement is racist. So any um, recruit member uh, cohort of that system has the ability to ta to tap in, use, and often enforce racism. Just because these five police officers are black doesn't mean that they did not perpetuate racism on the body of Tyree Nichols. I said it slow enough. Hopefully it's like trickling in. Like hopefully you're like slowly getting in. It's coming to the surface. Too often you feign ignorance when we talk about these kind of things. Let's be real. Let's be, let's be real about it culturally. As a black person who grew up in the 80s, a black queer person who had to hide in secret um, long before the advent of the pocket held camera that we all have now. Uh, as a child, I witnessed what was called jump out crews. Now, what was the thing? What was a jump out crew? So jump out crews would pull up in black vans. They often had like a, a fistful of fake warrants and they were just looking for criminals. And primarily they were looking for criminals in black neighborhoods. So they would patrol around black neighborhoods, often jumping out of these vans and attacking black men, children, and women at random under the guise that there was a warrant or they needed to be detained because they were part of an investigation or that they fit a description. Did you hear that? They fit a description. This uh, slack level of uh, um, tactic was often in, uh, deployed in black neighborhoods. I got to witness it literally hundreds of times before I was even 10 years old. A group of police officers, not clothed, would pull up in a dark colored van. You would be grabbed dragged into this van and hopefully seen at a court arraignment the next day, but more often than not, you woke up in an alley or a hospital. Jump out crews, the makeup of a jump out crew wasn't specifically all white police officers because let's just be real. Black police officers existed in the eighties and black police officers had just as much of a pension for violence against Brown people as white people. When you take the, the, the testing at the academy and you finally take that last oath you are signing yourself into a brotherhood that will ultimately exclude you but you can't ignore the brotherhood because it will also get you targeted what black police officers do on a daily basis is they wake up in the morning and they decide whether they're going to be black that day or a police officer that day and more often than not they choose police officer how's that correlate to the 1730s so plantation hierarchy demanded that there be some kind of overseeing. Let's look back at South Carolina in the mid-1800s. Let's go 1833. In 1833, the population of South Carolina was two-thirds black. Two-thirds. That was like roughly for every singular white person, there was four black people. <laughs> for for every singular white person, there were four black people. Most of the population of South Carolina were enslaved, enslaved black people, enslaved Africans. And what was happening in South Carolina was the it was so lucrative that the risk was uh, was worth the reward of all the money that was being made from like indigo and rice farming and cotton picking and those things. So at no point in time did the oppressor see it as something that they could not control. 
Now, what was happening on the shores of South Carolina was more Angolan slaves were being brought in every day. Normally, when you get to a, a, a space like different tribes would be split up, sent to different places, and they would make sure that there was a, a lessened chance of you learning each other's language or learning a language that they didn't understand so that you could communicate with each other. But what was happening in South Carolina around the 1830s was this sudden influx of Angolan slaves, and Angolan slaves kept as much of their culture intact across the Middle Passage as possible, often feigning that they were mute or acting like they didn't understand so that you wouldn't assume that they knew each other. You wouldn't assume that they spoke the same language. So these Angolan slaves were taken to South Carolina plantations around the 1830s. Now, I'm, I'm not sure I'm, you might want to check me on this, but there were several rebellions in that area, in that era. And the reason why those rebellions were happening, because plantation hierarchy was there, but it wasn't as solid as it needed to be. The chokehold didn't come until there was an absolute fear that slavery would be lost to the white man. In the 1830s, these Angolian slaves were teaching each other through language and remembering military tactics and those things and sharing them amongst each other in the fields. And when they were caught doing this one day, 60 of them were killed by, uh, by what would be called uh, nowadays police officers, slave hunters. Slave hunters were on patrol that day and they saw a, a mass of uh, 60 to 80 Angolan slaves in a field during what would be considered their break time, uh, they were moving in formations, speaking to each other in a language that they knew to be uh, the same from one slave to the next. They were moving in in regiments. They were moving in um uh like they were moving in echelons, and they were viewed doing it in open air. And it was a swift, swift uh, reckoning on the behalf of the white man because that's terrifying to them. Anytime you see brown people moving in unison uh it gets real scary for white people even back then still happens today um so the hierarchy was set so here's how the hierarchy in the south carolina plantation works there was slaves or children slaves there was women slaves then there was male slaves then there were house slaves. Then there were slave overseers. Slave overseers were often given badges. Those would be the ones who would be allowed to leave plantations and do errands for the master. They often showed the same disdain for their kind based upon the fact that the hierarchy was set and they felt comfortable in the space that they had. Sure, they were slaves. Sure, they, weren't, they were mistreated, but they weren't as mistreated as the field slaves or women slaves children slaves so they would do the master's bidding and this big shiny copper badge on their shirt was a, a a blessing to them some of them felt that it was a blessing now tell me what's the distinction between an a slave overseer and a black police officer what's the difference there ain't no fucking difference Black police officers, black police officers in uh, my culture, in my in my neighborhood here in Rochester, New York. When I was young, I lived in the 19th Ward. Uh, we didn't fuck with pl black police officers. We didn't talk to them. We didn't see them as friendly. I know when back in the 80s, that was the Sesame Street era for a lot of you. And you would see those videos where people would be like, if you're in trouble, you call who? And everyone would go, the police, not black kids. 
Black kids didn't do that. Often black children are seen as adults, even by black police officers. They're treated like adults, even by black police officers. Now, when we say fuck all police, why did you think there was a distinction for us for black police officers? There's there's no distinction. To be a police officer in modern times, you have to overlook all the things that the police institution has done to your kind. You have to make excuses for it on a daily basis. You have to place yourself in a position of authority. You have to think that you're upholding some kind of like rule of law when we all know that those things are false. If Tyree Nichols was indeed er erratically driving, he should have been ticketed for it, not maced. The officer should have went through the motions of allowing Tyree to know who they were. How do you become so scared that you flee a scene from a police officer? I'll tell you how. One, you don't know they're a police officer. Two, you've been maced. They reproach you aggressively, which is what police officers always do. They show up in force. When's the last time you were pulled over? I'm going to ask white people, just the white people in the back here, raise your hands. I don't like, I'm, I'm, I can't see you, but I can feel you. How many times have you been pulled over by five police officers? All right, let's compound that question. How many times have you been pulled over by five police officers who are not wearing uniforms, who are not wearing like visible markings that they are police to your like, quick reference eye? As a black person, I don't know about you, but I've learned to control where I look because sometimes looks can be seen as aggressive to police officers. Um, so if you get a quick glance of a police officer coming up to the side of your car, there's more than one of them that you can actually sense and see. You're looking through your mirror. You see a flashlight. You see a dark, you see dark hoodies. You see dark colored pants. You see a vehicle that may or may not have markings on it. All you really see is a light. And then you're sprayed with mace. How much distinction were you able to make on whether these were real or fake police officers in that split second? About as much distinction as Tyree had. He pulled away from the situation. Now, even if he pulled away from the situation and you then told him you were the police, uh, when did you do that before you started beating him? We put too much favor in the hands of police officers all the time. And we put even more favor in the hands of brown police officers when they commit atrocities that would be considered racist. Because the police are an extension of the arms of the law, um, and that the law is in itself racist. They are indeed acting out racist atrocities on behalf of police departments. That would make them the instruments of racism. So at one token, yes, black people cannot practice racism on white people. But we can move into positions where we can practice it on ourselves. Did I say it slow enough for all you fucking assholes who want to trivialize this and make it about whether it's racist or not? Actually, the thing that you're looking for is, was it brutality? The answer is yes. Was it racist? Yeah. It's typically what the system is designed to do. To harm minorities. Were they the extension that caused the harm? Yes. Are they black? Yes. Was it racist? Yes. It was them carrying out the orders of the master. It was slave overseers causing harm to their own kind because they wore a badge. This, oh, that, that seems like a huge jump for you. You don't understand where I'm coming from, you fucking dummy. Okay, well, let's get back into it again. How many times 
has a white person ran from the police and been beat to death. I'm sure it's happened, just probably not in my lifetime. Has it happened enough to where it's been used as an argument by white people to talk about how policing is at times super criminal and, and the way that citizens are being treated by police officers is unnecessary? No, because that's why we're sitting here having this conversation now. I have to explain to you how this thing that affects a whole bunch of people but somehow doesn't affect you. I have to explain it to you because you demand an education. Why are you upset? Because you, once again, are sitting in a situation where you demand an education when a tragedy strikes my community. Oh no, this isn't just happening to black people. You're right. You're right. It's not just happening to black people. It's happening to indigenous people as well. It's happening to Hispanics. It's happening to Latinos. Is happening to Asian people. Now let's talk about the uh, the George Floyd case. Why didn't you ask if that was racist? Was it because the killing blow was done by a white person? Oh, you did ask if that was racist because you make excuses for white men. And on this one, it's what you're doing is this question is a gotcha moment and it's a failed one. How's it racist if all five of the officers are black? The same way it was racist when it happened to George Floyd and there was a white police officer, an Asian police officer, a black police officer, and another white police officer. It was almost like uh, it was almost like the police rainbow guild in one situation. It's because all police officers are in, use the tools of racism daily. All police officers. So when we say fuck all police officers, we mean like fuck all police officers. From the five fucking police officers who committed this atrocity to the fucking police office dog from Paw Patrol. Fuck all police officers. What about the Lantern Corps? Police officers. What about the Power Rangers? Police officers. What about those dudes on Baywatch? Police officers. All those institutions are given breath to do harm to minorities. Even lifeguards are allowed to do harm to brown people. And yet again, I'm sitting here explaining this stuff to you because you don't understand the nuances of racism. But here we are sitting in 2023, listening to you guys argue about things like critical race theory while you subjugate and erase parts of history to keep yourselves willfully ignorant about things that I just had to speak to you about. How race, I just had to speak to you about the history of slave hunters and slave catchers and how they became police officers. I also had to teach you about how policing eventually had to take on minorities. And then I spoke briefly on how policing brainwashes minorities into believing that there's a hierarchy within their own kind that then puts them at the top of the food chain and allows them to commit these kind of atrocities towards their own kind in the name of brotherhood. I did that in about 23 minutes. It only took me a lifetime to learn it. It only took me a lifetime of experiences to see it and then make the correlation. Or did it take a lifetime? Because all these things that I've told you about, I've known about since I was fucking nine. The first time I seen police officers brutalize a black man, I was nine years old. The first time I saw it on national television, the first time I actually saw it happen 
to a black man, a black woman, a black child, a black family was in like 1986. I was six years old. We were signing up for school for first grade and my mother had to take us down to number 12 school. And at some instance, there was an issue with a mother who was registering her child and they gave her a hard time because they had recently moved and you had to prove your address. And the lady was trying to explain to them that they literally just moved the day before. And I remember this, I'm six. Uh, the secretary, we were sitting in the office. Uh, my mom tried to calm the lady down because she knew it was going to happen. We were sitting in the office and the receptionist explained to this woman that she didn't care what their circumstances were. They needed an address form with from the mail. The woman then tried to explain to them that I don't get mail at that house until Friday. It's Monday. What do I do about my children? The receptionist then called her a slur. I don't exactly remember one, what it was. But it set this woman into a frenzy because in the year of 1986, this kind of thing should have been unheard of by then, but it wasn't. Uh, the receptionist then called the police. I then watched two white men and a black man beat this woman up, push my mom around, drag her outside in front of her child, and put her in a cop car and take her away. I'm going to repeat, two white police officers and a black police officer beat the shit out of a five foot one, probably 115 pound black woman, detained her, maced her, put her in the back of a car and took off with her. Mind you, no one did anything with her child that was standing right there. And you want to know how racism is accessed by black police officers. Hmm. It's almost like I did an episode called Borrow Oppression, where I talked about how people of color can access racism. How we can participate in racist acts. You think that racism can't be portrayed, can't be perpetuated from one part of a race to the other, and it can. I'll explain how. Misogyny is an act of racism. Hmm. Oh, you. Oh, because racism. Racism uh, requires a bit of patriarchal misogyny. So when you practice it, which was not a thing. That happened in the tribes and before colonialism. You then learn about misogyny from your oppressor. And then you start mimicking it within your household. Within your neighborhoods. Within your community. Throughout your county. When you practice homosexuality. That's racist. It's white supremacy. It is a derivative of white supremacy. When you practice transphobia, it's white supremacy. Now, can you say, can you honestly say that black people can't access misogyny, misogynoir, 
transphobia, homosexuality, xenophobia. You don't think that we can access those things too? When you see a black police officer beating up on a foreigner who can't speak a language, what is that? Xenophobia, correct? Even though black police officers off-duty aren't treated like Americans, they will pick up the mantle of xenophobia when in an authoritative state. If conditioned the right way, if brainwashed just right, they will become xenophobics. How do I know? When's the last time you heard someone address, a black person address another culture of people in anger? You never heard like a black person use like the C slur for, for Asians? You've never heard the A slur used for people of Arabic descent, Middle Eastern descent, Pakistani descent, Iraqi descent. You've never heard those things happen from brown police officers. You've never heard that happen. I have. Why weren't you paying attention? You've never seen like misogyny being used against like, I don't know, white women by black officers. Black police officers are allowed to punch, kick, kill, just like white police officers are. They're just not as protected. Oh, how do I know? How do I know that they're not as protected? Oh, that's right. Uh, because Tyree Nichols' uh, murderers were immediately prosecuted. They're, being, they're, they're already charged. All five of them are in prison already. Because they believed that they had such a grasp and, and access to racism that they weren't going to they were going to get away with what they did they forgot that they're black at the end of the day uh the thin blue line it's super thin because if they made it thicker it would have to protect black people it would have to protect black police officers the brotherhood is only met for white people it's only met for white police officers how long was Chauvin walking around after he murdered George Floyd. Wasn't he allowed to access union representation as in lawyers? Wasn't he allowed to access that? Those five officers who killed Tyree will not be given that same. And, I'm, and believe me, I'm not fighting for them to get it. They forfeited their, their cultural extension, their cultural connection to me caring about them. The moment they took the oath and picked up that badge. I'm just pointing out that you forgot that they were black until they did something that shone, shone them in the light as bad police officers. Now you remember they're black, but you're still sort of defending them while not defending them because you believe they should be in prison for what they did. But if they were five white dudes, you'd be arguing with me right now. I dare you to call me a liar on it. I dare you to say that, that that's not true. You're fucking full of shit. Those five officers picked up their slave bag, slave catcher badges, and they decided they were going to go out and act like it was 1730. The beating was severe. I couldn't watch the whole video, and you'll have to forgive me because I've only watched hundreds, hundreds of my kind be murdered by police since the advent of cameras. We don't know how many I've seen from my, my young years till now. I couldn't tell you how many I've seen. I just know it's a whole fucking lot. And I had this time carved out today to talk about a personal instance that had everything to do with me. And I felt that that was too selfish at this time, that I needed to, like, pull up and educate you again. 
that you're focusing on the wrong fucking thing. You're worried about whether this is racism. Because you know it's brutality? I said, fuck all police, understand? All of them. We didn't make some personal distinction. We were like, fuck all the police except for black ones. No, fuck all police. All of them. Anyone who would see what this agency has done over the last century and be cool with putting that badge on, thinking that you're going to change things from the outside, I haven't seen a single one of them do it yet. Even the ones who did step up more like, this is wrong. This is police brutality. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their pensions. They're dishonored amongst a, 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 bunch, amongst a, a, a bunch of murderers. Dis, the, they're the ones who are dis, who dishonors the brotherhood. We give police too much credit. Even if you are guilty of a crime, the police officer doesn't have the right to beat you to death. They don't have the right to molest you. They don't have the right to sexually assault you. They don't have the right to do any of those things. But for some reason, we were told when we were kids that cops catch the bad guys. And we thought bad meant bad person, which meant not human. In no way, shape, or form am I saying that Tyree did anything criminal. I don't believe that Tyree did anything criminal. I believe Tyree was possibly pulled over for some infraction, but he should have received a ticket, not a death warrant. We're so tired of seeing our brothers and sisters murdered by police officers and it becoming the talking point of the United States for a couple of weeks and then you move on to the next one. I'm so angry that I had to have this episode so that I could explain the relationship of black police officers and how adjacent to racism they are to a fucking adult. So before I lose my fucking mind on you, um, I'm going to do that thing I do every episode. I'm going to take a small break. I'm going to hit this marijuana. And then I'm going to jump back into whatever you would call this conversation. Hold on a second. Grow up. (coughs) (coughs) Wow. You heard coughing. You heard bubbling. I'm an adult. You know what I do. You know why I'm here. Um, it's sad in this, at, that in this day and age, we are now seeing the effects of uh, tinkered in, in, like information and like the erasure of like actual history affecting white people on such a global, global scale that they are now allowed this weird ignorance, this lack of like complex thought. We're constantly being called inferior when it comes to intellect. We're constantly being treated inferior by the police. And somehow my inferior mind was able to wrap the concept of like 
borrow depression up for you and explain it once again to you. I wish I could come on this ep- on these episodes on my show and talk about something other than police brutality and murder. Of the 54 episodes that I've had, I've had to talk about this exact kind of situation with different names at least 16 times. The show is two years old. I spoke about brutality during my episodes at least 16 times. The show is two years old. I spoke about police brutality against black children and how black children are turned into adults. I spoke about police brutality against femme-presenting people. I've talked about police brutality against men. I've talked about police brutality in the aftermath of it for Breonna Taylor. I've talked about it for Daniel Prude. I've talked about the effects it has on the community. I've talked about the effects it has on culture, on my culture specifically. I've talked about the hierarchy and how it exists. And my show is two years old. I really wish I can come on here and do a makeup haul for you. Or I could come on here and we could have a cooking segment. But I constantly have to talk about the passing of my kind, which brings me to a smaller segment. Um, the ability for black people to dehumanize someone based upon social self-mobility exists. It happens in almost every facet of professionalism, organization, um, workplace, neighborhoods, communities. There's a group called Blacks for Trump. Diamond and Silk talked on behalf of like racist for like almost eight years. Kanye West exists. Candace Owens is a person that walks around every day. She has a television show. She's touted for being highly intelligent. Well, really all she does is spout racist talking points and homophobia and transphobia. She also dabbles in misogyny. How did you not think that a regular, degular police officer in your county wouldn't do the same? Officer Friendly's not real. With that being said, this has been Tranos in the Lived Experience. I'm your host, Kamrayin Eileen Maharet Jarrell, a.k.a. Tranos. Say it with your whole chest. And remember, before I was Tranos, I was almost Officer Jarrell. An awakening happened, and now I'm, I'm Tranos, and I couldn't see it any other way. This has been Tranos and the Lived Experience, the show that's always said, fuck all police. You understand?